Welcome, my friends. Welcome to another edition of the Corbett Report. This is the 10th episode of the Corbett Report entitled, The Police State's Noose is Coiling Around Your Neck. My name is James Corbett, and I am your host, podcasting to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan on this third day of August 2007. I'd like to remind my listeners that all of the documents cited in today's program can be obtained directly from my website. Please go to the Corbett Report at www.corbettreport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T report.com, and click on the Episodes tab. Under the Episode 10 link, you will find a documentation link, which will take you to all of the documents cited in today's episode, sorted by time index. When you hear something interesting, please go to the documentation source and look for that time index, and the document will be there, or the link to the document. I say that because there will be a lot of documentation in today's episode. In fact, almost too much documentation. My mind boggles at how to attempt to cover all of this material. It's something that I've been researching for mere months, but people much more intelligent and perceptive than me have been researching for years, if not decades. And the amount of evidence is overwhelming. It's difficult to even attempt to start talking about the police state and how it's being slotted into place even as we speak in the so-called free Western democracies. But to give you a hint of today's episode, I suppose I could start with some headlines. Um, these headlines, all from the last week. Uh, we have a report from the newspaper.com on July 30th, 2007. Uh, the headline, California City to Transform Red Light Cameras into Spy Cameras. Oakland, California to Lobby Legislature to Allow 24-Hour Video Surveillance with Red Light Camera System. We have this report from St. Petersburg Times Online, published July 28, 2007. Are ID chips too invasive? An FDA-approved chip implant raises Big Brother concerns. Or LA Daily News from July 28, 2007. Fingerprints to speed up lunch lines. And the first line of that story reads, Using fingerprints, voice tones, and eye movement patterns has long been the stuff of spy movies but the use of biometrics is now coming to the Lancaster School District. Or, most chilling of all, perhaps, we have this Reuters report from just two days ago, August 1st, 2007, entitled, White House Says Spying Broader Than Known Report. And it goes on to detail the domestic spying program, which partially broke in the controlled corporate media about a year ago, in which it was admitted that the NSA is listening to domestic calls without proper warrants. But, again, that turns out to be a whitewash. The White House admits that, in fact, the surveillance program is much broader, but details cannot, of course, be given to the public, who are mere chattel to be processed in this police state system. Again, all of those headlines just serve to give a flavor of the type of information presented in today's episode, but I think, as in all discussions, it's beneficial to begin with a definition what is a police state? Well, let's look today for the definition from Congressman Ron Paul. Dr. Paul is a member of Congress in the U.S. House of Representatives, and he is currently running for president under the Republican ticket. He is a libertarian and defender of personal freedoms, and he gave this speech on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives on June 27, 2002, 
His speech was entitled, Is America a Police State? And I'm going to read an excerpt from that speech. Quote, Mr. Speaker, my subject today is whether America is a police state. I'm sure the large majority of Americans would answer this in the negative. Most would associate military patrols, martial law, and summary executions with a police state, something obviously not present in our everyday activities. However, those with knowledge of Ruby Ridge, Mount Carmel, and other such incidents may have a different opinion. The principal tool for sustaining a police state, even the most militant, is always economic control and punishment by denying disobedient citizens such things as jobs or places to live, and by levying fines and imprisonment. The military is more often used in the transition phase to a totalitarian state. Maintenance for long periods is usually accomplished through economic controls on commercial activities, the use of all property, and political dissent. Peaceful control through these efforts can be achieved without stormtroopers on our street corners. Terror and fear are used to achieve complacency and obedience, especially when citizens are deluded into believing they are still a free people. The changes, they are assured, will be minimal, short-lived, and necessary, such as those that occur in times of a declared war. Under these conditions, most citizens believe that once the war is won, the restrictions on their liberty will be reversed. For the most part, however, after a declared war is over, the return to normalcy is never complete. In an undeclared war, without a precise enemy and therefore no precise ending, returning to normalcy can prove illusory. We have just concluded a century of wars, declared and undeclared, while at the same time responding to public outcries for more economic equity. The question, as a result of these pol policies, is, are we already living in a police state? If we are, what are we going to do about it? If we are not, we need to know if there's any danger that we're moving in that direction. Most police states surprisingly come about through the democratic process with majority support. During a crisis, the rights of individuals and the minority are easy, more easily trampled, which is more likely to condition a nation to become a police state than a military coup. Promised benefits initially seem to exceed the cost in dollars or lost freedom. When people face terrorism or great fear from whatever source, the tendency to demand economic and physical security over liberty and self-reliance proves irresistible. The masses are easily led to believe that security and liberty are mutually exclusive, and demand for security far exceeds that for liberty. Once it's discovered that the desire for both economic and physical security that prompted the sacrifice of liberty inevitably led to the loss of prosperity and no real safety, it's too late. Reversing the trend from authoritarian rule toward a freer society becomes very difficult, takes a long time, and entails much suffering. Although dissolution of the Soviet Empire was relatively nonviolent at the end, millions suffered from police suppression and economic deprivation in the decades prior to 1989. End quote. The speech is much longer than the excerpt that I've just read to you and goes into a lot of detail about the police state as it existed in 2002. And even in the five short years since that speech was given, I think the police state has become much more of an overt entity operating more in the open now than it was those five years ago. I highly recommend this speech and please again check my website for this document. And as a side note, you might want to wonder why Congressman Ron Paul, a respected congressman who has been in Congress for decades and is also a licensed doctor, 
and who has consistently stood up for human rights and has voted against such things as the illegal Iraq war, is being sidelined by the controlled corporate media who would rather tell you that Rudy Giuliani or Mitt Romney are the real face of republicanism in the United States. But that is a side note, and we will get more to Dr. Ron Paul's bid for presidency later. Right now, let's move on to some of the aspects of what he was talking about. I think one of the things that was important to note from that speech is the idea of incrementalism. Incrementalism is roughly equivalent to Pavlovian theory. Of course, Pavlov used behavioral conditioning to produce certain biological reactions in dogs. And his research was remarkable not for what it told us about dogs, but more importantly what it told us about the possibility of conditioning humans. As humans, we can be conditioned to accept the material state of our society simply by being introduced to it gradually. I think a case in point that illustrates this, and which very much relates to our topic for today, is CCTV surveillance, the cameras which are watching us. An article that might point in this direction is one, again, from the preceding week, July 27, 2007, which appeared in People's Daily Online, entitled France to Triple CCTV Surveillance Across the Country. And that report reads, in part, quote, French Interior Minister Michel Alliot-Marie announced Thursday the government is planning to triple the existing CCTV surveillance capacities across the country with a view to curbing the risks of terrorism and acts of violence. After chairing a meeting over the issue, the minister told the press she intended to develop CCTV surveillance as, quote, as a priority within the framework of an upcoming law on interior security orientation and programming, end quote, which is expected to be submitted to the Council of Ministers in autumn. End quote. And of course, CCTV surveillance is presented here, as in all other reportage on the subject, as an unabashed good which will reduce the risk of terror and acts of violence. However, of course, this is most certainly not the case. We have this report from The Telegraph in the most surveilled country in the world, the UK, in the, from the city of London, which has the most CCTV cameras of any city in the world, with over 4 million cameras watching every intersection, every street, every corner. And this report is entitled, Road with 100 Cameras is Plagued by Crime. And it comes from the 11th of July, 2007. This report reads, in part, quote, A crime-ridden high street in North London has been branded the most spied-upon road in Britain after it emerged that it is watched over by more than 100 closed-circuit TV cameras. In one 650-yard section of Holloway Road that runs from Archway to Highbury Corner, there are 29 cameras mounted on shops and lampposts, a church, and a courtroom. There are 102 CCTV cameras monitoring crime on the two-mile road, as well as a further seven checking for speeding cars and vehicles straying into bus lanes. Civil liberties groups are alarmed by the number of opportunities for the state to watch people in Holloway Road, particularly as they claim surveillance cameras do not always help to reduce crime. Mark Zichaleski of Watching Them Watching Us said, Politicians like cameras because they are seen to be doing something, but just like you see birds perched on scarecrows, the hoodies and dealers come back once the novelty has worn off. 
having so many cameras in one place actually makes police investigations harder because they have to divert so much manpower into checking footage from every single camera. A number of murders and other serious crimes have taken place in and around Holloway Road, despite its dozens of CCTV cameras. Last month, 14-year-old Martin Dinnigan was knifed to death outside a chip shop yards from Holloway Road, while two years ago, Richard Whalen was fatally stabbed as he sat on the top deck of a bus traveling around along the road. At the time, police disclosed there had been 430 offenses committed over six months on Holloway Road, including 29 serious assaults, 15 robberies, and 32 burglaries. End quote. I think the myth of CCTV as providing security is belied by the number of crimes that are committed and the fact that crime statistics are not significantly dropping in areas with CCTV uh, surveillance. But perhaps more worryingly, I think, and more to the point, is this article also from the Daily Telegraph, this time from the 2nd of June, 2007. This report entitled, Majority of UK's CCTV Cameras Are Illegal. And this report reads in part, quote, The vast majority of Britain's CCTV cameras are operating illegally or in breach of privacy guidelines, a new watchdog has warned. Up to 90% of surveillance cameras may be breaching the Information Commissioner's Code of Practice laid down to stop cameras being used inappropriately. Even more seriously, a large proportion of the UK's 14.2 million cameras breach the Data Protection Act, and so are illegal, the watchdog Camera Watch warned. The illegality of many cameras will lead to future clashes in court and possible acquittal of suspects, predicted the organization's chairman, Gordon Ferry. End quote. Again, we have story after story after story confirming that CCTV cameras are illegal, that they do not reduce crime, and yet we have stories like the one from France confirming that more and more and more CCTV cameras are going into place. That confirmed also by that report from the newspaper.com in which red light cameras in Oakland are being transformed into spy cameras. Of course, the argument will be reparated over and over by the controlled corporate media that we are sacrificing some liberty in order to gain security. And a taste of this comes from a recent, again within the last week, poll conducted by ABC News. And the title of this report is Surveillance Cameras Win Broad Support. Majority of Americans Favor Extra Safety Factor of Cameras. And this report goes on to detail that crime fighting beats privacy in public places. Americans, by nearly a three-to-one margin, support the increased use of surveillance cameras, a measure decried by some civil libertarians, but credited in London with helping to catch a variety of perpetrators since the early 1990s. Given the chief arguments pro and con, a way to help solve crimes versus too much of a government intrusion on privacy, it isn't close. 71% of Americans favor the increased use of surveillance cameras, while 25% oppose it. London's surveillance network, known as the Ring of Steel, is said to have aided in the capture of suspects, including those accused of a pair of attempted car bombings in June. A similar system is coming to New York City, which plans 100 new surveillance cameras in downtown Manhattan by year's end, and 3,000 public and private by 2010. Chicago and Baltimore plan expanded surveillance systems as well. The report goes on to give soft arguments against such cameras rather than illegality or the fact that they don't actually prevent crime, and then goes on to suggest that the majority, as always, are correct in their assessment. 
Of course, something that the report does not note is the exact wording of the question that was used in the poll. It's easy to believe this kind of propaganda from the controlled corporate media, and it's difficult for us to gain a real historical grasp of what this situation means. Again and again, people bring up George Orwell's 1984, and often reports of CCTV cameras will include passing references to Big Brother and the 1984 police state. Of course, 1984 was written in 1948, almost six decades ago, but it helps to give an insight into what we are really dealing with. The way some people, although I don't think as many as the ABC biased poll indicates, but I believe some people truly believe that they would give up some of their liberties in order to gain security of constant surveillance. But it's important to look at what people, even just two generations ago, thought about this type of technology, and a glimpse of that is provided by Orwell's 1984. I read here a short quote from that book. Behind Winston's back, the voice from the telescreen was still babbling away about pig iron and the over-fulfillment of the ninth three-year plan. The telescreen received and transmitted simultaneously. Any sound that Winston made above the level of a very low whisper would be picked up by it. Moreover, so long as he remained within the field of vision which the metal plaque commanded, he could be seen as well as heard. There was, of course, no way of knowing whether you were being watched at any given moment. How often or on what system the thought police plugged in on any individual wire was guesswork. It was even conceivable that they watched everybody all the time. But at any rate, they could plug in your wire whenever they wanted to. You had to live, did live, from habit that became instinct, in the assumption that every sound you made was overheard, and, except in darkness, every movement scrutinized. Smith screamed the shrewish voice from the telescreen. 6079 Smith W. Yes, you. Bend lower, please. You can do better than that. You're not trying. Lower, please. That's better, comrade. Now, stand at ease, the whole squad, and watch me. End quote. A mere 60 years ago, this was the stuff of science fiction nightmares. People didn't really believe that this could possibly happen in society. And now we were being incrementally introduced to the idea that surveillance is good for us and the government cannot be wrong when it surveils us. Another aspect to this incrementalism is gradually introducing us to new technologies which will, if they were introduced all at once, would serve to cause some sort of panic being introduced slowly, seem like a natural progression. Let's turn to an audio clip for a case in point. As we have already mentioned, the UK is the most surveilled society on Earth with over 14 million cameras watching its citizens' every move. So it's only logical that new advances in CCTV surveillance technology will be introduced there. And this comes from an NBC report from the United States regarding a system that went up last year in October in the town of Middlesbrough in the UK. Let's go to the audio clip for the introduction to the latest incremental step in the ever-broadening net of the surveillance system. Finally tonight, a sign of the times in Britain where Big Brother is definitely watching. In parts of the country, you can be caught on security cameras hundreds of times a day. And not only do these cameras keep an eye on you, some of them actually tell you off. Here's NBC's Donna Friesen. 
In Britain, there is no escaping them. More than four million security cameras. Seen, but not heard, until now. Morning. You have been monitored by CCTV. In the town of Middlesbrough, seven CCTV cameras have been fitted with loudspeakers. It's a pilot project, a new way to make the streets safer and cleaner, according to Mayor Ray Mallon, a former police officer whose nickname is Robocop. What I want to do is transfer the fear from the member of the public to the criminal. The police say this new system not only cuts down on violent crime, but antisocial behavior, too. The female with the brown coat on, can you please pick the rubbish up and put it in the bin? Thank you. You're welcome. The commanding and polite voice comes from this control room, where operators already monitor silent cameras. They've led to the arrest of 678 offenders. The new talking system says city officials will be even more effective without hiring extra beat cops. I have 144 cameras out there, so I have 144 pairs of eyes, 24 hours a day. They tell cyclists to dismount. Smokers to pick up their butts. And in the month they've been operating, have broken up several nighttime brawls. The mayor is so proud he makes this prediction. This system will be all over the UK within about two years. And it'll be all over America within about five. Because you're convinced it's so effective? Absolutely. Others see it as crossing a line. Use of these cameras amounts to psychological warfare. We will watch you. We will monitor. We will control you. What sort of country have we become? So far, no one in town has complained, but there is some unease. It's horrible. They've you know, big brother up there. Now, he's not only keeping an eye on you, he's scolding you, too. Morning, CCTV. I'm Donna Friesen, NBC News, Middlesbrough, England. And this is all part of the incrementalism. Oh, it's okay if they have cameras everywhere looking at people. I mean, if you're not doing anything wrong, then you have nothing to hide, right? And, yeah, I guess it's okay if there are policemen monitoring the cameras who have to talk back and tell people if they're doing something wrong. In fact, that's great. It'll cut down on crime or antisocial behavior or even environmental misdemeanors like uh, littering. It's, uh, it's wonderful. And then, of course, that leads naturally enough into this report from the Register online from the 4th of April, 2007. This headline, Children to Nag Adults Through CCTV, Grown-Ups to be Pestered with Kindergarten Morality. And the report reads, in part, quote, CCTV cameras will bark orders at people who misbehave in the streets of eight major British cities as part of a government scheme to cajole people into respecting authority. Faceless bureaucrats will tell people off when they are being antisocial by dropping litter, behaving drunkenly, fighting, and presumably smashing up CCTV cameras and otherwise dismantling the apparatus of the nanny state. But these bureaucrats will be voiceless, too. CCTV operators taking part in the scheme will use recordings of children's voices to browbeat wayward adults. Cameras will be fitted with loudspeakers, but it is doubtful they will be fitted with microphones so people can answer back. Using recordings of children's voices will make it harder for those in opposition to the surveillance society to be defiant of the talking cameras. Moonies and rude gestures will most definitely be a no-no. Children will be recruited from schools to take part in the £0.5 million scheme and shown around CCTV operating rooms on school trips. End quote. Oh, what a wonderful system indeed. This is straight out of Psych Ops 101. They are using children's voices to tell you what to do. This is 
wholesale psychological warfare being perpetrated by the terrorist government on us, the real enemy in the war on terror. And if that wasn't Philip K. Dickian enough for you, well, you'll be pleased to note there are even more wonderful CCTV-type technologies on the way. This comes from a report from the Sunday Times on November 26, 2006, which details a new step in the surveillance society, CCTV cameras with microphones to record street sounds to monitor those sounds for possible crimes underway. This report is entitled, Word on the Street, They're Listening, and it reads in part, quote, The microphones can detect conversations 100 yards away and record aggressive exchanges before they become violent. The devices are used at 300 sites in Holland, and police councils and transport officials in London have shown interest in installing them before the 2012 Olympics. The interest in the equipment comes amid growing concerns that Britain is becoming a surveillance society. It was recently highlighted that there are more than 4.2 million CCTV cameras, with the average person being filmed more than 300 times a day. The addition of microphones would take surveillance into uncharted territory. The Association of Chief Police Officers has warned that a full public debate over the microphone's impact on privacy will be needed before they can be introduced. The equipment can pick up aggressive tones on the basis of 12 factors, including decibel level, pitch, and the speed at which words are spoken. Background noise is filtered out, enabling the camera to focus on specific conversations in public places. End quote. And if you like that incremental escalation of the police state, then wait for this one. 29th of January, 2007, a BBC report entitled, Could X-ray scanners work on the street? This report reads in part, quote, X-ray cameras that would undress passers-by in a bid to thwart terrorists concealing weapons could be coming to a street near you, according to reports. Aside from the obvious privacy issues, would such a plan work? Leaked documents said to have been drawn up by the Home Office and seen by the Sun newspaper say cameras which can see through clothes should be built into lamp posts to trap terror suspects. While Home Secretary John Reed had denied knowledge of the plans, the technology is not dissimilar to that already found in some UK airports. Currently, our security officials pick out individuals to stand in a booth while three pictures are taken of the person in slightly different positions. Within seconds, an X-ray scanner produces an image of the body, minus the clothes. What shows up is the naked human form and anything that may be concealed on the person, such as coins, a gun, or drugs. There are variations on the X-ray technology. Millimeter wave machines give more of a three-dimensional image, while terahertz radiation also penetrates clothing. End quote. What we see here is nothing less than the incremental escalation of this technology. It's abundantly obvious that this technology already exists. It's just being introduced to us piecemeal so that we won't object to it too much once it finally arrives. What is the point of this surveillance technology and what is it really driving at? Well, you might get a hint of what it's really driving at from this report from one of the most oppressive regimes in the world, communist China. And this report comes from Beijing, out of the AP. And it's entitled, Amorous Beijing Couples Told to Be Careful of Surveillance Cameras. It's from July 25th, 2007. And it reads in part, quote, Beijing couples who steal a kiss in public are being warned they could be caught on closed-circuit television and suspected of committing a crime. 
China's Xinhua News Agency reports intimate acts of lovers may be initially categorized as kidnapping or robbery by the computers, which are programmed to be sensitive to violations of safe distances. Police officers monitoring the cameras will decide if the situation really is dangerous. End quote. So we have cameras that are looking at us, cameras that are talking back to us, cameras that are recording our conversations, we have face scanning cameras, we have cameras that will employ infrared technology to see our naked bodies, and we have software which will monitor video footage for any signs that there is something taking place which violates safe distances. What we have here is nothing less than the ability to enforce rules which would otherwise be unenforceable criminalizing natural human acts like kissing or holding hands. It is absolutely unthinkable that anyone would see this as a step towards progress or even a step towards fighting those dastardly terrorists, which we all know are waiting around every corner to kill us all. Because, of course, cameras that can talk back or cameras that can monitor naked human bodies or cameras that can f scan our face and track our every movement are going to deter people who are willing to kill themselves for their political causes. It's at this point that we arrive at the next level of science fiction nightmare. I can't even begin to describe this, so I'll just let the audio clip speak for itself. This is from a CNBC report from January 10th, 2006, and it's about a technology called RFID. Let's listen to the audio clip. Radio frequency ID, tiny chips, big potential, uh, how to change how freight packages, pets are tracked, all sorts of things. And now some people are actually risking their own health to get them. Tonight, the great lengths people are going to to implant radio frequency identification chips in their bodies. 28-year-old Mikey Sklar has a lot in common with his two cats. They both have something that sounds like it comes right out of the future tiny implants loaded with their personal information, chips surgically put into their bodies. They're called RFID tags, normally used to track things like shipping containers and marathon runners. For the cats, it's a device which keeps tabs on them if they get lost. For Sklar, well, he says it's to make life more convenient. I want to use it as an identification system so I can get personal information to show up, so I can scan my hand and have information about my favorite websites and email address and weather all be uh, displayed for me uh, through some custom hardware projects I've been working on. Sklar says he easily found his RFID tag on the Internet, but finding someone to implant the device in his hand was a different story. That's because Sklar's RFID tag is not the type that's approved by the Food and Drug Administration. He had to convince a friend who's a surgeon to implant it. I really didn't feel anything during the surgical procedure, which was about seven minutes long on my kitchen table. While Sklar's scar from the surgery heals, big retail chains like Walmart are using more of the tags, putting the low-power radio frequency IDs in shipments to track them. Outside the United States, they're actually being used by the Mexican government, implanted in officials needing high security clearance. In Spain, chipped VIPs at the Baja Beach Club can pay for drinks simply by waving their hands under a scanner. Sklar's tag? Bought off FidgetsUSA.com, which actually advises its customers not to implant them. The company says they are not made for humans, pointing out its chips are not sanitized. 
All this has the only company to get FDA approval for its human implantable chips very concerned. Verichip's devices store valuable medical information for chronically ill patients. The Verichip technology is extremely useful in being able to quickly link the patient's vital medical information and contact information to the staff that's taking care of that patient to provide them the most timely and most efficient care. More and more hospitals are getting RFID readers in emergency rooms, and Verichip's devices are doing so well, the company has just filed to go public. But here's a scary thought. All the uses for RFID tags are now bringing up questions about whether the information stored in them is really safe from hackers. It is quite possible that this tag could be hacked. Anyone with a simple laptop setup and a RFID antenna at the correct frequencies uh, can pick up my tag number. There are other tags that have more information on them that might be much more interesting, such as a Chase Blink card or a MasterCard PayPass. Verichip says its chips are safe and that the personal information on them cannot be read without a Verichip reader. But experts say RFID technology is getting more advanced, and as it gains wider acceptance, more companies are expected to use and profit from it. And very soon, Mikey Sklar and his two cats might not seem like something right out of science fiction. On the money, Liz Clayman, CNBC. Well, isn't that a wonderful technology? And here we have incrementalism at work yet again. If you're not doing anything wrong when you're out in public, then you have nothing to worry about with CCTV technology, as we've already abundantly seen. And if you're not doing anything wrong inside your own home, then you have nothing to worry about with this wonderful RFID technology, which will soon be implanted in all of us. I don't even know how to begin to describe how disgusting this is. And again, it's a question of implementation by means of incrementalism. Gradually, gradually, gradually attuning you to the idea that RFID is great until, of course, I'd implant it in my dog to keep it safe, so why wouldn't I implant it in my child so I could keep track of my child? And pretty soon we'll all have these wonderful ID chips inside of us. And, of course, uh, the controlled corporate media will try to take this and say that the uh, downside is the possibility of hacking, which, of course, will always be a possibility. But I think the real concern about this technology is not what hackers might do if they get a hold of it. That's bad enough. But how about what the people in charge of the system will do? Do you trust the government, which repeatedly lies to you about what it's doing, about its NSA wiretap program, which it will not even disclose the full extent of at this point? Do you trust them to be regulating these technologies which are going to be implanted in our bodies? As you heard in that report, the only FDA-approved chip, and we all know what FDA-approved means if we listen to episode 9 of the Corbett Report, the only FDA-approved chip is the Vera chip. And uh, I don't have time to get into it as we're running out of time, but I wholeheartedly suggest you go to YouTube and watch an interesting 9- or 8-minute documentary about IBM, the Fourth Reich, and Verichip. And as you might have guessed, the Verichip itself is only one incremental step in a gradual implementation of a technology that will be even more invasive and pervasive inside our own bodies. This report recently, um, just July 30th, released called Pentagon to Implant Microchips in Soldiers' Brains. Quote, the Department of Defense is planning to implant microchips in soldiers' brains for monitoring their health information, 
and has already awarded a $1.6 million contract to the Center for Bioelectronics, Biosensors, and Biochips, C3B, at Clemson University for the development of an implantable biochip. Soldiers fear that the biochip, about the size of a grain of rice, which measures and relays information on soldiers' vital signs 24 hours a day, can be used to put them under surveillance even when they are off-duty. End quote. I don't know how else to articulate what's being slotted into place. I mean, it's quite obvious to even the most casual observer that there is a surveillance grid being slotted into place. And I think it's a normal human reaction to resist this type of surveillance grid. If you were a dissenter in Nazi Germany, imagine how much easier it would have been to suppress you with this type of technology. Of course, my pitiful attempt to articulate what's really going on does not in any way compare to that of Mr. Alex Jones. I've referred to Alex Jones before on this podcast, but again, I urge you to check out his daily podcast if you have a chance. It is definitely worth listening to. We're going to go to another clip from Alex Jones about his take on the police state that is being slotted into place around us, the police state noose coiling around our neck. Let's listen to this clip from the Alex Jones Show from March 9th, 2007. From the bottom of my heart, I love you. From the bottom of my heart, I want humanity to have great things. And I love my children, and I know I'm going to love my great-grandchildren. I'll never meet much more than I love myself. And I just want them to be able to live and be free and have children and enjoy life and enjoy the basic coding that we've been designed to live through. And I don't fear technology. I embrace it for all the good things it can do. But it's just like a gun. It can be used for good or bad. It's like a hammer. It can be used for good or bad. It's like a knife. A butcher knife can be used to chop up beef or can be used to stab your wife to death. And, folks, it's being used for the bad. It's, the grid has been set up. They're laughing at us. Top scientists, the co-owner of Sun Microsystems, co-chairman Bill Joy, in 2000 went to a big globalist meeting with 200 top uh, owners of technology, and he came out of it six saying they were talking about how they're going to kill everybody and how there's going to be total enslavement and how with the economic system of consolidation the people aren't needed now because of robotics and how we're going to be eliminated. And, and he wrote why the future doesn't need us and begged people to listen to him. I mean, they go to the meetings and they openly talk about it. Please listen to us. This is a worldwide emergency transmission. They're setting it up quickly all around us. It's much more advanced than you even know. They admitted they put in these snooping grids. They already had basic systems in, but they put them directly into the telecommunications hubs in 1996. Your cell phone listens to you, tracks you. Google admits they use the microphones and cameras on your computer to watch everything you're doing. And even those of you that know it still buy the computers, and you don't even put a piece of tape over the camera. You don't even go in and disable the, the internal microphone. I, I don't even do it. None of us. We're, it's just... We're, we're caught in it. They know how to build the structures around us, and they know that we're designed with our monocular color vision to just accept reality as if it is reality and accept things that we're put into as if that's the way it's meant to be. And when we're in a crisis, we're being swallowed right now. We're being grabbed by this boa constrictor and, and crushed like a little piglet. And we've got a chance to struggle free, but not much more time. You need is a little fat little piglet to bite the snake and to kick it and to, and, to, and to flop around as hard as you can and to foam at the mouth a bit and jerk loose of it. It's coiling tighter right now. 
Years are the equivalent of seconds. We've only got seconds here. We've only got years. It's coiling. Your eyes are bulging out. Bite it. Bite it. Now, here's an example of a piglet. I was thinking, what would a boa constrictor grab that was a good size and a mammal that you could associate yourself with? And they grab a lot of wild pigs, and they like piglets particularly because they don't struggle as much as a large sow or boar. So I use the example of a piglet. Sorry to compare us to a porcine. So me, I mean, I'm I'm squealing. I'm 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 caught in. I'm going me, and I'm trying to bite. I'm trying to bite. I'm biting as hard as I can here. You need to bite. Bite. It just comes down to that. I'm talking bite to your instincts right now. Struggle, kick, scream, bite. And, and, and individually, we are like little 10-pound piglets. But if we squill out enough, Mommy, 100 yards away eating some grubs, may hear and run over and attack the snake. Daddy may run up. And, and, and Daddy is all of us together. Mommy is all of us together. So individually, we're little piglets caught here. But together, we can first acknowledge this, get mad, start arresting government officials, Ripping these systems out, calling them up on trial, having mass trials of these pieces of trash, getting, and of course they're not going to turn loose. Man, they'll set nukes off, they'll do whatever they have to. They're totally nuts. They, they greedily want all the technology for themselves, the life extension and all the rest of it that is here. They don't want you to have access to it. They're just the most greedy, selfish people you could ever imagine. I mean, look at this story right here. They never got rid of this. Homeland Security revived Super Snoop. They never killed it. By Andrew Hudson. Homeland Security officials are testing a Super Snoop computer system. When they say testing, they're just announcing what they've always had. Computer system that sifts through personal information on U.S. citizens to detect possible terrorist attacks prompting concerns that lawmakers who have called for investigations. The system uses the same data mining process that was developed by the Pentagon's Total Information Awareness project that was banned by Congress in 03. Well, Congress didn't vote for the North American Union either, but it goes forward. And remember in 2002, scoff laws get caught ordering pizzas was the headline in the USA Today, and it was a positive article saying, hey, man, it's great. With the big pizza companies, the big three, and others are now signing on to a private Dallas company that hooks into the Justice Department that then has the service to local police departments. When you order a pizza, they know you give your real name and where you're really at, and that runs through a system, and instead of getting a pizza, the police are flagged for anyone who has felonies or even misdemeanors, and if it's just a misdemeanor, they now know where you're at. If it's not, they go ahead and send a SWAT team. When you order a pizza, they run your name through a computer criminal database. Everything. Remember uh, four months ago, the head marshals uh, on the air marshal saying, we're told to put innocent people into the computer database for no reason, just to show that they're terrorists? Everything. Every purchase, all the major credit cards, just, it's all there, folks. And then that lying cokehead, when he's not hanging out with his porn star buddies, gets up there on TV and tells you they don't spy on you without a warrant. They are murdering criminals. And they are literally setting up a dehumanization slave grid. So hear me now in 2007 and hear me in the future. You've got to rebel. You've got to struggle. You've got to fight back. The future is so black if you don't. What else needs to be said? Um, nothing that I can really articulate.
just methods of resistance, I suppose. First, get informed. Find out why this police state is being slotted into place. Read about PDD 51 and the way it takes Congress out of the continuity of government plans for the first time in history. Find out what else the Bush administration has been doing and is up to next on Infowars.com, PrisonPlanet.com, Infowars.net, and JonesReport.com. Get on the web and learn more about the NSA wiretap program. Learn about CCTV technology. Learn about the RFID and how it's being implemented in a control grid to implement a cashless society where you will be controlled and the government can turn on or off your ability to buy and sell. If you're American, get involved with the Ron Paul campaign. Donate money, donate time, start a website, do something to make some noise for Ron Paul, the only libertarian, free speech, freedom of movement, freedom candidate. If you're Canadian, write your member of parliament about the police state no-fly list that was implemented on June 18th in our very own country. There are numerous methods of resistance, and I don't care which one you choose, I just hope that you do something. Kick, scream, bite, struggle. I am speaking to your instincts. That's all for this week. Please join me again next week for another edition of the Corbett Report. I guess the government's watching us. This is a song from George Bush and Hillary Clinton in the New World Order to you. Because you're so free. Here it is. funds and destroy your currency we'll get rid of your borders too and inject your children with deadly poison too and you'll love us oh yeah we'll send nice men in black uniforms to take you to FEMA camps oh yeah oh yeah since you've gone since you know I'm a criminal now I don't like it so I'm going to try to intimidate you now. Oh, I'm going to build little attack robots. You better submit to me. Oh, let's just hear more of Big Brother's song. Oh, baby, please come back to your abusive criminal government. It's freedom. Big Brother puts all the cameras up to make sure you know you're watched. You've got to show your ID to get anything, but the illegals don't. And that's because there's... Can't you see? You're the slaves. Ha ha ha. You belong to Big Brother, cattle. All right, I'm going to quit screwing around.